This is the Gary V Audio Experience. I want to start off with something that's very near and dear to my heart. The show is called Perfectly Mentored. You believe you were perfectly parented. Yes. As someone who has um, two little kids growing up, uh, two and a four-year-old, and I want to talk about that because you talk a lot about building self-esteem. Yes. And one of the questions I get from there when I when I listen to you talk is, where's the line between self-esteem and then I'm doing too much coddling? Correct. Delusion. I think um, what is what was not even a thing, coddling, when I was a kid in the 80s, was my mom just held me accountable. I mean, like, you know, this is incredibly politically incorrect by today's parenting standards, but like, if I, like I saw kids do something in the last week at the playground, grabbing a cab the other day, like that my mom would absolutely knock me out for. <laughs> like I saw a kid say to his mom, shut up. And I shivered, shivered. This happened this weekend, shivered. Because I know for a fact, if I said that to my mom, she would have smacked me as hard as she possibly could in my face. Now that isn't what we do nowadays as parents, A, I don't want to make another vile crib where I get completely canceled. But A, we need to learn as modern parents what, there was many bad things that happened with <laughs> spanking your kid, whipping your kid. But, you know, the reason I wasn't overcoddled was I wasn't overcoddled. Meaning, telling your kid that they're a great person, that they're wonderful, uh, telling them that they're good at baseball when they are good at baseball. Telling them they're bad at baseball when they're bad at baseball is something that isn't been done as much. <laughs> I see it because my son's good at baseball and I watch parents that have kids that are bad at baseball telling me they're, that they're good and I'm like, they're not. And I also tell my son, when my son tells me he's gonna be in the NBA, I'm like, you better lo learn how to shoot 40% from the field, <laughs> yeah. from half court, because you're gonna be under six feet tall. And if you're gonna be in the NBA, you're gonna have to do some crazy 3.0 version of Steph Curry, where you're like literally hitting half court shots because defenders that are six, seven point guards by then are gonna be able to give you no room to shoot. So you better figure this out. That's talking real to a kid, but a lot of parents took the, take in the last 30 years that was me crushing his dream, mm. that's delusion. And then, and then finally, it's no accountability. Parents have gotten into this place where they wanna be their kids' friends or they don't wanna deal with the confrontation that comes along with hard parenting. And that's hard, I succumbed to it at times, but my mom didn't. Like my mom never feared confrontation even though she was the sweetest with me. She just didn't coddle, yet she made me th you know, think that I was the best in the world because I thought I wasn't the best in the world at everything. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, I feel like my mother too, right? It, there was this amazing line that they walked of making you feel like you could do everything, but kind of being realistic with, with what that everything kind of was. And I, think and I feel like that. now we lost that. I think we lost it. How do we bring it back? There's How do we bring it back? By, talk, by this. Like all I know is how to do my part my small part, obviously hmm. I have a big platform by humans standard, but my platform is not gonna change all eight billion people on earth. I would argue that there's many uh, countries inside of the continent of Africa that have never heard of me. Like 20 people know me, so I can only, you we're know. Gonna, we're gonna boost this to Africa, get, <laughs> get, get you know. But, but you know, I think the reality is, is that um, the way we do it is one person at a time. And so, and then you scale it through content. Because like, I, I, 
I, I look at my kids. I'm like, okay, you're great. You're great. You're, they're two and four. They don't. They don't understand. They could think they're two and four is a great time to be delusional. Yeah. So I, I, I they don't even know what they're he wants thinking. Wants to be about. a fireman, an astronaut. Cool. Awesome. All, all the best. But then it gets to a point where we're telling the kids that they're so great, and then they go out in the real world. That's right. And the real world's not going to tell you you're great. Nope. It's actually going to tell you how awful you are. It's it's actually not going to tell you how awful you are. I I, I really I. It's going to tell you what it is. Right. Yeah. The real world's just going to be based on merit. And so I don't think it's awful. I think a lot of, you know, I don't think social media is awful. I don't think the real world's awful. I just think it's No, but real. if you're awful, they're going to tell you you're awful. That. Yeah. That. And so like if you have a parent who's like, look, you can, I think it's remarkable to say you can be anything you want. I think the part that has also been lost is hard work. Hmm. Like we, the world is struggling to find its way with hard work because the world is doing a good job of being thoughtful about burnout. I love that. I love that I use the word worth. I love that I use the word work ethic now instead of the word hustle, not because of anything else, but if the world has taken the word hustle and changed it on me, which is what happened. Yep. When I used hustle, it just yep. meant you've got to give effort. Yeah. It didn't mean get now yourself like into sleep. depression yeah. and don't sleep <laughs> and use drugs to cope. That's not how I defined it. That is how the world defines it. I I'm thrilled to adjust my word. But the world is struggling with the word work ethic. It just is. And so what ends up happening is parents are struggling to find that balance. Yes, you can be better at everything in the world. There's not one thing in the world that I don't think I can be better at. Not one. Skiing, teaching, punching, <laughs> eating. There's everything I can be better at. I can't be world-class at everything. That is something the world's gonna have to get better at. Honey, you can be anything you want in the world. With it, no, honey, you can maximize your natural talents in every category if you put a lot of work ethic into it. You just might not be Beyonce and LeBron, and that's awesome. But like, for example, I love basketball. I could be way better. I could tomorrow hire a new shooting coach. I'm wealthy now. I can hire a shooting coach can come to my apartment even every day of the week. I can get up at 6 a.m. I can completely change my form because unfortunately, when I was in high school, I played on a nine foot rim with my friends. So <laughs> I'm five, eight, five, nine on a good day. So I play like a six, eight, six, nine person because I played on a nine foot rim. So everything's like, I play like a big man. Like I've got great inside like touch, but my shot acts like I'm a, like a power forward center. And so it's ugly. I could be better, but to what degree? I could be better at pickup. I could be better than my brother, even though he's better than me now, if I really went hard for the next five years and worked on my game. Uh, but I'm not gonna be in the NBA. And we've gotta find that place with our, I do it with my employees. I do it with my employees. I do it with my family. I do it with everybody in the world through content because it, it leads to a better place. But then there's such a fine line between you helping and you being a dream crusher. Correct, but a dream crusher is based on delusion. Like again, it's a very simple sentence. Dad, I'm going to be X, cool. Anything that isn't physical, I would argue is in play. Hmm. If somebody's, I think it's a much easier to be the president of the United States of America than it is to be an NBA player. Yep. I think it's much easier to be famous on television than it is to be, a, to be an NBA player. I think it's much easier to be the greatest chef in the world 
than it is to be an NBA player. I think where crushing dreams has to come in is a little bit, you know, based on realities of physical stuff, right? You know, I just think that's real. And a lot of people gravitate towards physical stuff early on. But if somebody says they're gonna be an astronaut, everybody's in play for an astronaut. Now, if you're like my mom and everything makes you nauseous, <laughs> you know, one could argue you have more hurdles to get over, you know, to become an astronaut, but I still think you can get over the hump on nausea. I did, by the way, on the record, in my youth, I struggled with flights and I would get, my tummy would hurt, I threw up on flights in my teenage years. Now I take flights every hour of the day. So I got better, heights, I'm better. Like I live high now, I'm my office high. Like, you know, like, so you can get better at things, but I think that sports is dangerous. You know, I actually argue that entrepreneurship is dangerous. It's something I'm trying to figure out. It's really hard to be a great entrepreneur if you're not born one. Like great. Like I, which is why these are conversations that need nuances. I think being an entrepreneur that makes 400,000 a year in revenue against the business that lets you take home 93,000 because you run it very profitably around something you like, uh, HR placing, um, consulting against a specific, you know, internet of things, AR, web three, um, people management. Like I would be great at having a one man consulting business around HR, great at it. It comes natural to me, I've done it, I'm good at it. And I could make a really good company that does five million a year that I make three million in profit. Yep. You know, there's people that are not as great in HR as me, but could make a nice one person shop with freelancers doing 600,000 a year because they have two, three retainers at 100K, right? That is very feasible but that's based on self-awareness and I think is a great life. The problem is everyone now thinks you need to make a billion dollars when you start a business. So these are nuanced combos. Hey daddy, well, hey mom. People are so obsessed with revenue as a Cor- vanity, and revenue is a vanity metric. Correct. I'd much rather make one million and keep 800,000 than make three million and keep 25,000. And I'd rather make three million and make 25,000, believe it or not, listen to what I'm about to say, this is so nuanced, because my whole life I know three million get to seven million and if I make three million and 25,000, I know I can make seven million and three million versus one, what hurts a lot of great entrepreneurs that I see on paper is the 1,500,000 profit thing because they're paying for their lifestyle on it. And I'm like, no, 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 you actually can get the 10 million, eat a little more shit, make a lot less, reinvest in, 10 on 30% margin becomes three million versus 500,000 at one. But then there's another- And then you're thing. also creating operational drag in your business. You just beat me to it. One thing that countered my thesis on that over the last decade was like, oh, shit, I've watched friends take that advice and they loved life at 500,000 take home and they hate life at 1 million take home because now they're managing Carl. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Self-awareness nuance against a kid's dream is the game. Dad, I wanna be an NBA player. Son, daughter, WNBA player. You have physical limitations based on our family history, but Easily you can play D3. If you decide to go Steph Curry route and start shooting from fucking 100 yards away, you could do anything. Yep. That's gonna be the only way. Yep. You better get real serious real fast. That's a good combo. And shoot for the NBA, but land in being a great, like I've had, my son just turned 10. I have like realistic combos with him. Like you're gonna love 
going hard at this because if you don't make the NBA, you're gonna be the best pickup player in your friend network. And from 22 to 40, that's just a lot of fun. And like those kind of combos with kids, which is like, you don't kill the dream, but you give it a little bit of a realization. Same with entrepreneurship, because I'm at the forefront of this now. I tell a lot of people, I'm like, you can have this really good business. If you're going for like Mount Rushmore fame of entrepreneurship, you better really look inside of like, is that the only thing you've ever done? The way that it was the only thing that I ever done since I was five. And can you deal with everyone hating on you? Correct. Because as well-liked as you are, you still get a lot of shit talkers. A hundred percent. And that... And I think that eats the one bad comment. And I used to be the same way. One bad comment made me want to delete the entire post, made me want to shut down, made me want to not it's do It's hard. Anything. And you know, for me right now, I think in the last three years, I've crossed over to that next level mm-hmm. of like, I would argue like, oh crap, a lot of people really know who I am. Like three years ago, I could go out into the world and go to dinner and come home and not be stopped. It's inconceivable. I could, I can't even walk outside this building yeah. for it not to happen. And that's cool in some ways, but it's been very challenging in others because it's all now just amplifies. And so it used to be a hundred people would shit on me, but you'd get a million people of love and that was awesome. Now all of a sudden you got five million of love. And in a lot of ways, there's something that happens at this level that it's not 500 that shit on you, it's more like 1500, so the ratio changes. Yeah. And 1,500 shitting on you versus 100 feels more. And that's when you gotta really lean into who you are and like, what are you about? And do you really know yourself? Are you delusional about your own self? Every time I get hate, the first place I default into is not shitting on them. Not what I, even what I say publicly is true. I feel bad, that's a shitty way to live. But one thing I don't talk about, and I'll say it here, that I actually really think I do a lot more than I realized, is I go immediately into self-reflection. Is this hater right? Hmm. And I like doing that. The reality is it's not really 99% of the time. That's not true. Not really 90% of the time. Not really 75% of the time. And never like purely exactly because a lot of people come with... I mean, the, I just what, go into the mindset of like, there's nothing that anyone could post, political, religion, anything someone could post that would make me want to take time out of my day to actually write a negative comment. I barely write positive comments on people's posts. So my mind goes into an empathetic mode of correct. what is going on in correct. this person's life that this is where That's they're right. spending their time. Yeah, me too. I just, if I really feel bad. I really, really, really feel bad. Because for you to be at a level of that level of hurt that you need to hurt someone else to feel better, you've now crossed over into a different place. So, so let's talk about that because there are people who don't put out content for that one reason. Yes. Another reason is, you know, buzzword of authenticity. Yes. Everyone's talking about be authentic. The problem is when all these people are consuming you, yes. they're consuming, you know, uh, everyone else on the planet. And then they put out content. And the hardest part is where does their voice stop? Oh, I- where does their voice stop? Even listening, where do, where even do you listening start? to you say I'm empathetic to those, like I'm listening right now. Yeah. I think about it all the time. I'm like, am I the seed of things? You know, like and for me, it's easy. So I actually, this is a very important question. I because most people are sponges. You ready right? for this? So, yeah. I consume nobody, and haven't. I actually think the reason I've been very original is I don't consume anything. Hmm. I consume everyone but I don't consume any other person that does what I do. You consume the listeners. I consume the comments. I just don't have time. I'm so, first of all, you know this, cause you have a little bit of insight. I'm a very weird character. 
most people have no concept that I'm running a $350 million a year global agency every day actually. Like you and you know, you just walked in here, I'm finishing off a meeting with a Fortune 50 CMO. Like literally just closing, so let's go, right? Like yep. it's what I do. Yep. So that in itself isn't insane. Then I have real love for my family and want to live that personal life. And then I'm like me and I'm a maniac. I'm doing fucking <laughs> Gary V and I'm doing V friends and I'm doing like garage selling. Like, and so I don't have time to consume anything but the consumer. Consuming somebody else that's synthesizing the consumer has no value for me. So your advice is everyone turn off everyone and just put out the content about you. Based on them listening to everybody. So for example, when nobody on earth knew who the fuck I was and I was doing wine, I read Twitter 20 million hours a day to read every single person's point of view on wine. So think about that for a minute. Uh, nobody knows who I am and I'm Twitter, I start a YouTube show and Twitter just comes out. And I'm like, Twitter? And there was a site called Samize.com, which Twitter bought and that became the technology that is Twitter search. Yep. So at first, Twitter wasn't mobile, it was desktop. And you had no idea what everybody else was tweeting. You would just go down different streams, you'd follow people. And then this search engine for Twitter came out, it was profound, it changed my life. I used to talk about Samize a lot in 2007 and eight. And I was like, wait a minute, anything? And I was like, wine, enter, and be like, and Twitter was all Silicon Valley. Yeah. So almost every comment was going to wine country this weekend, <laughs> all the VCs, yeah, right? Yeah. And I would be like, and then I was like, wait a minute, I could jump into this. Like, hey, fancy VC of that, because now I'm learning that world. Uh, if you need any VIP tours, and then it led to consumer insights. I was like, what are people thinking about Merlot? Merlot shit sideways came out, and everybody wanted Pinot Noir and hated Merlot. So now that dictated my content. I do that to this day. To this day, I I know more about what people think of of She-Hulk on Disney Plus from this weekend than anybody would understand. That's because I'm a psycho for consumer awareness and pulse and insights. Do you think that's why, because you say post on every platform and you post four times a day, just put out yeah. content. Do you think that's why people are doing that? People are putting out four, you know, four posts per, per platform, but they're not growing. Well, they're not growing because do you think it's because they're an echo of somebody else? I'm like, no, I who think, the fuck does Gary Vaynerchuk wanna be? I think, so yes, but not exactly that. I actually think it's because almost everybody produces content from a place of selfish. Hmm. I just think that's what it is. I, when I look at the content, I'm like, this person could be good, but the only thing they're putting out is for them to sell their course. So what's the recipe? put out content as if you work on television or work at a newspaper or work at radio from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and media was a public service domain. I'm a throwback, I'm Walter Cronkite way more than I'm anything else. And what I mean by that was Walter, and I don't, the context was Walter Cronkite was a newsman that was, in an era where they were taught when he was growing up in the 30s and 40s and 50s that the news was a public, public entity. That it was there to service the public. From the day I started, and it happened, I got very lucky in hindsight of how I grew up in the game. I wanted to make content to review wine. I thought when I started Wine Library TV in my head before I did it, that I was gonna do QVC. Hmm. 
Mm. I was going to do videos and I was going to sell wine. I have no idea why my DNA did this. The second of the, I can actually pinpoint it in episode one. As a matter of fact, team, I want to actually make this piece of content. I'm going to pinpoint on an overlay the second my life changed, which is within the first five minutes. I have to look at the video to get the exact time. I go into episode one, I got three bottles of Verte. I remember the wine, because we had a lot of it, and it was profound. Like There was a part of me that was selling good stuff, thank God, yeah. right? So like the wine was very good and underpriced compared to Opus One and Dominus and Silver Oak, so I was like, I'm gonna make a good first episode. But it was there because I wanted to sell it. And within fucking five minutes, I'm like, oh shit, I'm not gonna sell on this show. I'm gonna act as if I left my dad's business, and I'm just reviewing wine because I have to be valuable to them. And I practiced a thousand episodes of that, reviewing wine, which is why the show went crazy. The show confused everybody. If you look at the early comments, like, wait a minute, doesn't he sell this wine? Because I'm on the show saying, all right, here we go. Oh my God, this wine is incredibly disappointing. The mid-palate is hollow. How are they charging $65 for this? <laughs> this is an $18 bottle of wine. And people are like, what is going on? And my own family was. My best friend Brandon, my dad, my cousin Bobby, all my employees were like, have you lost your mind? We have 25 cases of this. Who the fuck's gonna buy this? I'm like, people that don't watch the show? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like, And it was like very real. And then obviously when I went into business content, it was never there. Like when I got serious about VaynerMedia, I stopped making content. Every move I've made is very clear. It's there for my legacy, for being historically correct, for reputation building. Right? Which, of course, as a brand, trickles down into business. People know you, people, but it's not there as a monetizable individual event unless I throw a right hook. Yep. And I'm comfortable when we launch Empathy to say, hey, buy it, but it's so infrequent. So the, the issue is, right, when, when people listen to you talk, and I don't mean this in a negative way, it's like Gary has millions of followers. Right. Easy for him to say, post this. Whatever he posts is going viral. I'm, you know, 1,500 followers or, yeah. or I'm, I'm 200 followers and they're or all I my friends. Even start, or I'm and listening I right now. Started, started. And, and I'm listening. So I want to make this a little bit tactical if we can. If you could go back or, or knock back, you're right now with, with, the, platform, with the platform. TikTok. Just I got it. Attention's yeah. high. You lost your reputation. Yeah. You no longer could use your name to sell anything. You could just be Gary V with your, mindset, with your mindset right now. How fast do you think you could build a successful company and how would you do it? Well, that last part made this more interesting. So the fact that it says, even the question gets exciting for me because you said, how fast can you build a successful company? Even that is why I think most people are not winning. I've never thought of anything besides how slow can I build something. But speed matters now. I, like, I mean, I, I, I think speed is the poison. Yeah, okay, speed matters. I also think it's why nobody's winning. Hmm. Speed is the devil. But so is sitting and analyzing and never doing. No shit. Right, so there's an op. That's there's, right. There's, there's a counter to Do you know why everyone's sitting and analyzing so much? Because they're trying to figure out how to do it fast. Hmm. Speed's the fucking devil. The, the, it was really funny. Obviously, I, you know, back to jumping in. That was a really fun moment, right? Because I'm saying TikTok, TikTok, because I think you're going to go, where do you start? And the that's, that's why, that's why yeah, I didn't and, stop. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. I, I like how you did it. The reason I went so ham four years ago on TikTok was I knew what the fucking question is from everyone. I was like, fuck, this could actually get people going. Because we'd gone through five years of mature Facebook and Instagram and it was like, there was no fast. Yep. 
TikTok was the first thing that I saw that was fast, completely based on the merit of the creative. But the problem is, a lot of the people that got it fast didn't necessarily go into it trying to get it fast. Some of it was on a spoof, on a lark. Some heard me and talked about shit they cared about and because they cared about it and they were passionate about Star Trek and they knew a lot about fucking Spock and Captain Kirk, it hit for the people that also did. So, you know, I think the interesting part of your question, the answer to your question is, I, if I was exactly me, would be okay because I've never wanted fast because I've always sensed and now I feel very confident that I'm right at 46 years old that fast is what fucks everyone up because you go into shortcut land and that's just real talk. It just is. Uh, so I couldn't recommend more people trying to think about things like, okay, and this is why I fuck with the youngsters. For the youngsters, I'm like, listen, when you're 20, if I'm telling you 10 years, when you're 20, you were 10 years old 10 years ago, and I remember being 22, and my cousin Bobby being 30, and I thought my cousin Bobby was the oldest man on earth. <laughs> so I know how hard it is when I tell them, hey, think of this as a 10-year game. They're like, fuck you, Gary, that feels like forever. The problem is, it's why so many 20-year-olds lose. It's also back to mental health and all that. It's why they're all so anxious. They want fast to show everyone else they want. They don't want fast for any other reason but to flex. And that's really fucking them up. Fast is the devil. The cancer is doing it for other people thinking you made it. So now you got fast cancer is how most of these kids are playing it. And you had so you use some of that towards towards your fuel. Like you you say it all the time where people thought you were a loser because you were the entrepreneur like growing up. You use that as a chip on your shoulder to, uh, to chip to, on shoulder is very different. Yes, I to your point. Yes, but the problem is, when I was growing up and using it as a chip of the shoulder, I wanted the merit of success to be it. I never thought anyone on earth would know who I was. I th in the business community, I, th I literally thought in the liquor business people would know me and that was my life. Yeah. So I didn't grow up with what these kids want. Almost every kid subconsciously wants fame. It's fucking insane. There's a reason why most actors and actresses, especially child ones, went to rehab. It's fucking hard, back to what we were talking about, right? Yeah. I wanted chip on shoulders to like be successful for the game. A lot, which is why I never bought shit. To this day, it's why I don't buy shit. Cause I don't want the proxy. I didn't want the Mercedes or BMW or Rolex or house in the fucking, in Short Hills with a pool and a house in the Hamptons. I didn't even know the Hamptons existed until I was 30 years old. I grew up in Jersey my whole life. I knew nothing about the flex. Now, back to chip on shoulder to your point as motivation, it's the perception of success that all these kids want. They want blue check, money, fake chain, the girl, the guy, the photo in Ibiza to make pretend they're successful. That's the most fucking cancerous of it all. So what's your, so I mean, I, before we even get to the advice, how would you do it? So you have no rep, you have, you're not you, you the lost only, all your followers, yeah. you have no contacts, no reputation anymore. Step Just one, your mind, gotcha. how do you build Step it? Step one, for everyone who's listening who's in this spot, which is almost everyone. Yep. You have to be, step one, self-aware of how you're best at creating content. Step one, are you a writer, are you audio, are you video? If you're video, it will always have the most upside. Just the truth of the way the world works. Movie actors are more famous than authors. It's just the way it works. But if not, don't force it. So is it written word, audio, or video? Step two, 
scalable format. You know, when we cross paths and do a Q&A show, that's scalable, right? Yep. You know, to me, I can't produce content. I'm too busy, but I can double bubble. I can do something and put somebody on like I am right now. I can get the content. That's how I feed my machine. So step two becomes first, you're like, what? And that's how you get podcast number three. <laughs> you know, so how do you, you know, how do you, how do you A, communicate? B, what's the most scalable thing? Think back to what I did when nobody knew who I was. What's the most scalable thing I can do? Oh, there's a million wines in the world. I'll never review them all. And every day I can wake up and go downstairs because I have a liquor store and grab three bottles of wine and review them. So I did it from day one. A scalable thing. I think Q&A or even if you have, somebody said to me the other day, it was a really fun combo. He's like, I can't do Q&A because I literally, nobody knows who I am. I can't even <laughs> ask anybody to ask me a question. I'm like, do you know anybody? Because I was like, just bring them on. He's like, not really. I said, back to surmise, I said, I have great news. Your content should be taking people's questions all over the internet or comments and make content. Look what's going on on TikTok. Yep. Replying to comments in video form are the most viral shit going. You can go and do that from other people's accounts. You can stitch and duet your way to the Hall of Fame. It's all there if you're willing to go there, but you gotta, so for me it would be first, who am I? I would say I'm video. Next I would go to how do I bring value? Everyone can bring value, I really believe that. Every person listening right now does have strengths or at least are enthusiasts or opinionists. A lot of time people wanna be an expert before they, they, they make pretend they're an expert which is why they die on impact. All those fakers out there, all those Gary Vee fakers that you referenced earlier, because they're not actually marketing experts. That's why they're losing. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're you, but then you have the people who are good who have imposter syndrome and they don't know how to get over that as well. Correct, right? that's so. insecurity, right? Like that, the way to get through insecurity is through sheer will. It's by consuming, the negative consumption of your life got you to insecurity. Mom, dad, school, older brother, like could be a million different yep. things. The only way to get into that is the positive reinforcement. The reason I work so well for so many is I'm that positive pusher and then they go do it and they're like, fuck, I could do this the whole time. And so I love being that for people and I want more people to replicate that behavior. And so for me, it's it's really that. And so you figure out your who you are, you talk about what you know or what you like. I'm trying to get a lot more people to think of themselves as enthusiasts instead of experts. You could be a Jets enthusiast. You don't have to know as much as I do about the Jets' pure history. Just talk about liking it and you're excited about, you know, you know, whatever you're excited, Zach Wilson's this or, or Garrett Wilson that or Robert Sala this. It, it comes back to the posting of the content again of Gary could talk about whatever he wants because he has that attention. Well, I go on and you, say, you, I enjoyed the Jets game yeah, today. But, but Who that's, cares? That's such a losing mentality and I'll tell you why. On that theory, it completely takes out of account that Logan Paul and Charlie D'Amelio and Gary Vaynerchuk had zero followers when they posted the first time. Because that's the truth. Because I know both of those two careers, so I'll use them as much bigger audiences than me playing in that youth culture. Like, I don't understand that mentality at all. Oh, they're giving up before they even start. Yeah, I mean, there's no logic to it. Like, like if someone's able to do but, something. But, that, but yeah. I think that's, that's what people do, right? They put their heroes on a pedestal because yeah. then they don't have to, there's a reason, right? Oh, I can't do it because Gary's unique. Or I can't do it because Logan's unique. They put them up on a pedestal and then they never have to reach that fame because look, they're unicorns. I can never do it. And look, listen, I think there are people that are naturally, you know, first of all, you look at like the rise of Instagram. Yep. In the Instagram era, being attractive <laughs> was a real skill set. 
It was an era for models, both male and female, and you saw a lot of people raising fame by just being attractive. Attractive can be bought, we've seen that in our culture now, but for the most part, that's like not something you can control. In the same way, when you look at TikTok, being funny, being creative, you know, that's a skill set. Yes, that can be refined more than being attractive though. You can work out and do things and you know, it's just getting people to understand everything is controllable on your level if you really wanna go there. You know, every time I say being attractive, a lot of people DM me and they're like, you're wrong and show me a million examples. Oh, that clip got a 500,000 views, over a million views with with what we spoke about, about being good looking. But it's, you say in your control versus out of your control. I think we've seen a lot, and I'm I'm gonna bring this down to a marketing question because you do run an agency, right? That specializes in marketing and advertising. Yes. There's with iOS issues and platform changes. All these brands are focusing on everything that's outside their control versus the things that are inside their control. How do you make your website convert better? How do you how do you how do you get from a 1.5 conversion rate to a two? And now you make by, more money. By the way, the marketing's in their control as well. Like the algorithms changing or retargeting changing is no different than you're running ads on, let me just give you the yeah. historical comp. Yeah. You bought TV commercials as an upfront to be on Seinfeld, and then Seinfeld decides it's not gonna come back. Well, the, pro- the problem was you also had all these people grow during a COVID era where it was, they could see their $1 and $5 out. You With, mean mathematicians. Yeah, fair. Right, Th- this is very you're, important. You're, you're right. I, I wanna make you're this right. point for everybody here. There's a very diff- big difference between being a full marketer and being somebody who's a math quant of the moment marketer. Models have it harder on TikTok than they did on Instagram because you gotta do a little something. Mathematicians, who are purely math, have it much harder in iOS 14.5 posts than they did pre because they would run unlimited Facebook because it was the greatest machine of all time. They would get you to the website, they would cookie you, and they would retarget you into oblivion where the creative was almost non-existent. They had to adjust. Yeah, so we're, we're about to be hit, or we're in, or it's coming, or maybe it's not coming, a recession. With all these brands that are looking at all this, right? And and that's the first thing they cut is advertising. Yes. But it's the biggest mistake because you need more customers Correct. and more sales. So what's your advice to brands when this is gonna hit, when the recession's coming, and the first thing they're gonna look at is, well, Facebook isn't doesn't work the same way it did when we were in a unicorn moment where impression or impre- cost yep. per impression was at an all-time low and at attention was on an all-time high because people were home. You're not gonna have that moment anymore. But they all tripled on advertising spend and they grew. The ones who didn't shrunk. What's your advice to brands heading into this recession now? During the hardest times or the easiest times, the answer is always to do the best thing you can do with every penny, right? So for me, the advice is, hey, if you're gonna cut, let's remember every business is different. If you're a publicly traded company, you're a big boat. You're not like us where you're fast. And your tailwinds are what they are. I'm not fast anymore, I'm slow after listening to this podcast, it's all slow. And so I think for a Coca-Cola, cutting marketing makes sense because they're being held accountable to their stock price every 90 days and they need it, otherwise it could become a problem, right? For those people, I say, cool, you can cut your marketing budget, but now's the time to fire all these bullshit agencies that do nothing and you better get every, you know, to me, whether you have a dollar or if you have 50 cents, I'm actually not emotional about that. I'm just emotional about it actually doing the thing you want it to do. For big, big companies, 
they waste 90 cents on the dollar with the old advertising ecosystem that I'm in. And that's why we're exploding right now because of this looming recession. Because now at the scale we're at, everybody knows who we are and what we do. And they know that they were paying somebody else 8 million this year in fee, that we could do it better at five, but they didn't have to do anything about it. Now they do. So that'll be our growth time. But for the entrepreneurs out there, this is the time to really look at what you're spending your money on in your real life. And maybe you don't need to go on four vacations, maybe you go to two. Maybe you need to trade in your Lexus for a Toyota. Maybe you don't have to go out to dinner every day, maybe you go out once a week. Maybe you don't buy Seamless and Uber and Starbucks every day, maybe you do it. You start really cutting so that you don't have to cut your marketing budget because now is when growth is gonna happen. I, I like the fact that you said that because I think people try to save their way into wealth. You could cut costs as much as possible. Eventually that sponge runs out and you can't grow a business by cutting expenses. You can only grow a business by bringing in new business. You can only save your way into comfort. Correct. Not into wealth. It's just too hard. Like it's just too hard. I watched my dad do it. Mm. I mean, he did great, yeah. but like defense is defense. There's, you know, back to American football, like prevent defense loses football games. And so, you know, you watch a football game for, I'm just gonna be very nerdy for American football fans right now. You watch a football game, your defense does what it does the whole game. They've kept the team to 10 points. They're up 13-10 and the other team gets the ball. They've only given up 10 points in the first 53 minutes of the game, 58 minutes of the game. And now you switch up your defense to not make the big mistake which gives them all the room to dink and dunk their way all the way to the field and score. That's why teams hate prevent defense. It's why the best defenses last decade don't really go there. And that's how I think about savings. Look, you have to work within your means. And for me as a hum human beings that are listening right now, they need to be saving their money on not spending it on dumb shit. Spending on marketing for your business that works is the smartest thing you do. Spending your money personally on $5 coffees 17 <laughs> times a week yeah. is how you spend, if you cut that to three and make your own coffee at home, it's how you fucking have the bucks to spend. Like that's why I always push, savings is huge for entrepreneurs, but not like go defense, it's don't spend money on things you don't need when it's harder. Got a couple of minutes with you left, yep. so I, I wanna wrap up with, with a couple of questions. So one is I can't do a podcast with you and not talk NFTs really quickly. You had VCon, Amazing, amazing event. What you do for V friends, everyone who talks about NFTs says what you do for your community is, is huge. Then a couple of weeks later, whole like yes. implosion yes. of what's going on. How do you see what's happening in that space and, and with crypto during this coming recession? I mean, I'm so excited about it. You know, one of the things that worked for me was- Because everyone's sitting there saying, ah, oh, told you this uh, this art doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, I don't, I, don't I don't hear that noise. Plus I was the one who said it. Yeah. You know, one of the great things for me is I put out <laughs> unlimited content that 98 to 99% yeah. of the NFTs were going to zero. So it's nice to be right. Yeah. It's atrocious to be right when you know how many people are hurt on the other mm -hmm. side. Um, but that was greed and not, not playing with, like if you lost, like I lost an ungodly amount of money on the things, my current bags, A, I haven't sold yet. You only lose when you sell. Two, every one of those dollars were dollars that I could afford to lose. The people that are most bent out of shape, rightfully so, are the ones who spent money they couldn't afford to lose and didn't heed the call that 99 were going to zero. The problem is they have to be accountable. The content was out there. The reality was out there. What do I think is happening? The same thing that happened when the internet stock market crashed in 2000. Web3 is the biggest technology infrastructure we've seen since the internet. 
since mobile, since the iPhone. And NFTs are one of the most functional use cases in crypto blockchain web three. And I think over the next decade, they will become omnipresent in our society. And I can't wait to watch it play out. I'll end with this because you talked about it really quickly when we started. You, you were worried about saying certain stuff about parenting and you brought up cancel. Um, you may rub some people the wrong way. You know that as you, you, you're very vocal about it. What are your thoughts about cancel culture? And are you worried like the you're nothing like him, but like the Andrew Tate of what's going on, what's going on in the world? Is that a good thing or for, for uh, that people are being blocked? Like, what are your thoughts about what's going on? And it's do you worry so about hard. it for yourself? I definitely don't worry about it for myself. I mean, I put out. 50 pieces of content every day for the last, <laughs> you know, I, look, I rub people the wrong way because I put pressure on people's insecurities. I'm not out there tearing human beings down. Hmm. Think about that. Yep. Like the, I'm very worried about cancel culture because I think the left, the right, the, the, the masculine, the feminine, like, like I think everyone is spending 99% of their time tearing people down. I spend none of it. I rub people the wrong way because they think I'm too cocky. What, what they don't realize, it's their own insecurity that's deploying that on me. They're not listening to what I'm saying. They're looking at the way I say things because I'm a fucking very hyper East Coast. Or you're bringing out something in them that they're, that they're happy with. The reason I'm, I mean, it's inconceivable for me to ever get canceled. I don't have a fucking mean bone in my body. I'm competitive. I'm scrappy. I'm from the dirt. Um, don't fucking fuck, you know, like I got that yeah, in me. Yeah, but you could, you could strike up the people who are like, this guy swears too much, this shouldn't be on social media, we, let's take him down. By the way, if the world gets to a place where they decide that cursing is an incredibly bad thing for society, I'll be, yes, I would be canceled. And by the way, that's what gets people scared about platforms having the, the say in the way they do. I have a lot of empathy for platforms. I have a lot of empathy for people. I, you know, from my standpoint, I think cancel culture is a real problem because everyone's doing it. I love when my Republican friends say, I hate your Democrat friends, they cancel everyone, and the second a Republican within the <laughs> Republican Party says anything that doesn't fit for them, they cancel that person. And the fucking left, Democrats cancel each other, All the, like they eat themselves within themselves. The world is tearing people down 24 seven, and it's because most people don't know how to be happy within themselves and don't realize what a waste of energy it is to judge and deploy that energy on other people. We should hold people accountable. But what's happened is it's gotten so extreme that that's why you have a counter to cancel because people are trying to cancel people for the most mundane. Somebody tried to cancel somebody in one of my companies because somebody was walking by and nicely said to somebody, hey guys, and it was two women, and they like desperately wanted that person fired because they weren't guys, but that's a saying. That's like a saying. There was no ill intent. When we start taking intent out of the equation and we're in gotcha land, it's fucking over. <laughs> and we're in gotcha land right now in America. And like, and that this is what happens. When you get so ridiculous that you're just trying to get everyone, it counters, and I'm very concerned because I think the bad guys and gals are gonna get away with more bad because now, it's going to go through a cycle where you can't cancel anything for anything about anything. Yeah. This is just the way the fucking world works. I don't worry about all that nonsense on every side. Politics, canceling, feminism, masculinity. I don't think about any of that shit. I am fucking waking up every day trying to do good and nice and just fucking going forward and whatever communication, infrastructure, community, reality that comes of it, that's what it's gonna be and that's the way it's gonna be. 
Gary Vee, one of the greatest Stoic uh, uh, philosophers of our time? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's funny. Once I learned that I have a lot of those similarities, like Ryan Holiday, others, people hit me up. They're like, you're a stoic. I'm like, what's a stoic? I like looked at him like, I don't know. I have a lot of that shit in me. I, yeah. you know, I don't really think about labels that way because I know if I look deep, I'm sure there's things that I do that aren't. And that's awesome. All of us, none of us are exactly a thing. Um, but I think we all need to deploy a little bit more love and patience and kindness and empathy and compassion and sympathy and optimism and more self-love. The reason I'm nice to everybody is because I love myself. I'd like people to have more of that. All right, I'm super late. I can sit with you for hours. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate you.